Welcome to Sparrow Health Clinical Insights, where we cover the latest topics in the world of mental health and substance use disorder. We hope that this program will help you in your growth and help guide us toward achieving our mission of saving lives, instilling hope, and restoring relationships. And now, here is your host, Senior Vice President of Clinical Services, David Hayden. Hello, I'm David Hayden, your host. Welcome to another episode of Spiro Clinical Insights, where we address the biggest questions and topics in the clinical world of mental health and substance use disorder. Today, we're going to be talking about taking buprenorphine correctly, but really much more than that. We're going to really get into uh, the recovery benefits uh, on a physical, a spiritual, and a mental health aspect with simply taking the medicine correctly. And that leads me to our guest, uh, Carly Held. Carly is a, a physician assistant in Spiral Health, um, mainly in our Akron and Canton locations. And Carly, welcome, and tell us a little bit more about your role as a uh, provider at Spiral Health. Well, thank you very much, David. It's nice to be on this. Um, so like you had said, I'm a provider, uh, specifically a physician assistant, and I work with the patients from the medical side with addiction. Uh, through medication, explanations, and advice, but I also work closely with the counselors to help and support the patients where they need it. So just a little bit, I guess, of background, I've actually been a provider for about four years now um, with multiple different companies in both outpatient and detox settings, and so now I'm here at the Akron Can location. Yeah. Well, and tell us a little bit more about you. I know that uh, from your uh, discussions I've had with you, you know, medicine wasn't your first choice, so tell us a little bit about you and um, how you kind of came into this role. Yeah, actually, medicine was not my first choice. I was actually going to go into engineering. Um, and then I realized I didn't really like all that math. <laughs> but, I liked, but I liked the biology. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll go into research. And then I realized I'm too much of a people person. I need to talk too much. So that wasn't very good either. I found myself talking to myself in the lab, which was not a good idea, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah. I think I think that's so interesting interesting uh that engineering background and what impact has that had on your uh, providing care to patients where where does that influence you well actually quite a bit because i'm able to connect with the patients i've always kind of been like the growing up i've been like the jack of all trades kind of stuff i've done construction i've worked on cars i've driven heavy equipment pets livestock farming so all those kind of backgrounds with me has actually been able me to connect with the patients. So usually when I first meet patients, it's like, oh, you know, tell me about yourself, kind of fill me in. And as they're talking, you kind of figure out where their interests, hobbies, et cetera, are. And then you can usually have a whole conversation with them, which is great because then they're willing to talk with you and not just answer yes and no questions. Yeah, I think that's so important. When, you know, a lot of times we talk about how substance use disorders are, are really a condition of disconnection and you having that, you know, jack-of-all-trades background gives you an opportunity to have so many different ways to connect with our patients and, uh, and, and keep them um, coming back and, and interested in the recovery process. So I just think that's really interesting. So, so tell us a little bit more about you personally. I know that uh, you have some events coming up in your life that, uh, you know, why don't you tell our listeners about that? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually pregnant with my first child and uh, due in less than two weeks at this point. So uh, if you start hearing me go, hang on a second, I think my <laughs> just broke, you'll know what happened. <laughs> well, I hope we get through the episode uh, without that happening. But 
congratulations. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. The first child. Um, you know, what are you thinking uh, that that may have uh, an influence on on you going forward? I just want, obviously, like the best life for them, and again, that'll add to my uh, jack of all trades. Now that I have the whole motherhood, uh, possibly. Absolutely. Yeah, which would be a big thing because a lot of our patients have, you know, families and kids and stuff like that, too. So it's easy to relate to them on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, congratulations on that. Um, Wish you the best of luck in the the upcoming weeks when uh, that day finally arrives. And uh, congratulations to you and your husband. Thank you very much. All right, well, let's get into the topic. And uh, as you and I have talked about this before, I am extremely excited about this. Because uh, I think a lot of providers who work with uh, substance use disorders and provide uh, buprenorphine prescriptions um, make the assumption that patients take their medication correctly, and they don't always do that. So I'd like you to tell us a little bit about uh, what you know about taking their medication correctly, and why is that important? Sure, absolutely. Well, obviously, the biggest importance is that you actually get the full dose of the medication. So if you're not taking medication correctly, uh, you're not getting the full dose. So obviously, that is a a big deal. Um, We don't want just partial doses. Um, You do that with all medications in general. You're not taking your blood pressure medication and just taking a piece of it. (laughs) Generally speaking, you want to take the full dose so that we know that it's actually working. Um, It also helps, obviously, with addiction and reduces cravings and withdrawal symptoms as well. And part of that, just like blood pressure and reducing your blood pressure kind of stuff. Yeah. And it also helps to heal the brain, too, as we know with the suboxone, um, because it is binding to those receptors and allowing it to heal with the dopamine. Yeah. Well, what when you're sitting with a patient, um, you know, what tells you that they may, may not be taking it correctly? You know, what are you looking for? So actually, I start looking over their labs prior to even seeing the patient, which is usually the biggest indicator of it. Um, So when you're looking at the levels, you're looking to see if there are low levels. You generally want from the buprenorphine to norbuprenorphine ratio about a one to three. So the norbuprenorphine is the metabolite that goes through the body, just to kind of let you know on that. So with the buprenorphine levels, you want that at roughly at least 100. Um, if you're not seeing that and you're seeing levels like, you know, 20 or 30 or something like that or less, then you know that there's, there's something up. They're not, they're not having enough of the medication dosage. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're also looking for the naloxone component, too, when you're talking suboxone, unless they're on subutex, then obviously that's not there. But Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that the, the labs tell you one thing. You know, they, they tell you a piece of, of what might be happening. Um, what else are you looking for when you're interacting with a patient and you're assessing that? Yeah, so then when you're actually talking with the patient, you're asking them, how are you doing? How's the medication going for them? Um, are you having cravings? Are you having any symptoms? Do you think that you need a higher dose? Some patients will come in like the next week and, um, or if you've just seen them for the first time and be like, I, I totally need more. Like, it's not working. And, and then I usually have to ask, like, why do you think it's not working? Yeah. Like, Are you having cravings? Are you having still like what they consider uh, withdrawal symptoms still or or what's kind of going on? What are some of the things that they tell you? How are they describing that? Well, like I said, cravings are still sane. And I kind of use like, are you having a lot of cravings? Well, give me like uh, a one to 10 kind of stuff. Are you like 10 being the highest? Like, oh my gosh, I need to go use right this second kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
if the cravings are, you know, on the upper end, we're talking eight plus, so to speak, even though they're on Suboxone and they're like, yeah, I'm taking it, but I'm still having really bad cravings. It's almost like I'm not taking it. Withdrawal symptoms. Well, it's almost like I didn't use anything. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going through it. I'm having the hot, the colds, the nausea, not sleeping, no appetite, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, the yeah. body aches, the restlessness, that kind of stuff that they're yeah. doing. Yeah, so so tell me a little bit. If, so if you if a patient's telling you those things, they're 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 telling you um, that the medication may not be working, or they're still having withdrawal symptoms and cravings. But the labs are showing you uh, either something else. What what do you attribute that to? What could that be? Well, a lot of the times it kind of goes hand in hand. You usually see in the labs that they're a little bit on the lower side. They might not be extremely high. They might not be extremely low the patient is still having those uh, symptoms, which indicates possibly that, yeah, okay, maybe they're not taking it correctly. It's yeah. usually kind of the first thing that I usually end up asking them is, is how you're taking this medication, and then how often is another thing, too. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that I, I find fascinating about this is, you know, it is a medication, and, you know, there's a lot of times where patients have, have uh, you know, taken buprenorphine off the streets and and, and they take it, but they've not really been educated on how to take it. So tell us a little bit about how you educate the patient on the proper way of taking this medicine. Because it's not, it's not like every other medicine that you just, you know, pop in their mouth and drink something and swallow it down and, and go on. So tell us about how you educate them. Yeah, and that, that is the biggest thing. Because a lot of patients will think, especially those that have never been on it, think it's like every other medication. You know, take a glass of water and swallow it and I'm good to go walk out the door kind of thing. Um, when you have to explain to them, for like an initial patient who's never used it, you're telling them, okay, so it's actually dissolving and it has to dissolve completely. And on top of that, it's not just the five minutes and just because you don't taste it or sense that it's in your mouth anymore that you're good to go. Um, you have to wait. I usually say at least 20 minutes for patients because you're trying to get as much as possible. It's really supposed to be closer to 30 minutes, but I know most patients, can't even take the taste for 15. So if you can be closer to that 20 minutes, it works much better. Uh, the other thing, too, with that is I've ran into a lot with patients is they think, okay, no food or drink while it's in their mouth. But what they don't understand is you can't have tobacco products either or yeah. anything else that causes you to swallow. Yeah. Um, so how, how soon um, do they need to have not smoked or used tobacco before they take their medicine? Is it a time before and a time after, or is it just one or the other? I think they can use it before. I usually say give it five minutes because you're the the point is is not to have them swallow. So if you especially you know if you're a little bit of food left or liquid or tobacco products, you tend to just keep swallowing for a lot you know a couple minutes afterwards. So I said do all that stuff ahead of time. Give yourself about five minutes, and then put the suboxone either under your tongue or in your cheek. Um, whichever sometimes is easier for them and depends on the tablet or the films. A lot of times they don't like the films in their cheek as much because it sticks to their teeth. Yeah. So I said, well, that's fine. Put it underneath your tongue. I said, however, don't try to swallow. I said, go do something and, and distract yourself for about 20 minutes um, just so that they're not consciously thinking about it and now their mouth is filling up with saliva and they're like, what am I supposed to do? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what other things are you educating them about with uh, taking the medication? Um, well, like I said, again, when they're taking it, how are they taking it? And then once you're telling them how to take it, they come back and see you the following thing. 
um, ask how their cravings are going. Are they having any of those, like I said, withdrawal symptoms that they consider? Are you, is any of that getting better? And a lot of times you'd be surprised. A lot of them are like, hey, actually that got better. I don't need a higher dosage of medication. My cravings are going down. My symptoms are clearing up. And I said, and the labs are looking better, you know, kind of stuff. And again, you, you want to use more of the open-ended questions. I know we've you've heard that all over creation. It's like, the yes, no questions. Some patients will just say yes, 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 good, and walk out the door. Yeah. Um, but if you're like, so how are you really doing? You know, like, fill me in. How are things going, you know? Or when you're first start talking to them, how are, you know, you ask them themselves, how are you taking the medication? Yeah. And you can... And then you can see how they answer it and then correct them if need be. Yeah, I love that approach. I think open-ended questions are, there's a lot of benefit for that for the patient because it, it forces them to also think more in-depth about that, uh, how they're going to answer that as opposed to just saying yes or no. Sometimes, um, you know, like you were saying, they'll just say yes or no uh, really quickly. But with an open-ended question, they have to stop and kind of think about um, really how do they want to answer that? How are they doing? What's what's going on there? So. I love that approach. I was going to say, and you get the most information that way, too. If you let them talk and explain things and not just yes or no, then you're going to get more than just a one-word one answer or one-sentence kind of thing, too. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I agree. And it, it helps you connect with them. I think, again, that's probably that jack-of-all-trades that you have in there of really trying to, to listen more uh, for what they're going to tell you as opposed to are you just kind of checking off, uh, you know, what may be happening with that patient. So, yeah. So, on, tell us about on, uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, so, you've seen a patient for a while. Um, you may have even adjusted a dose. You've educated them. You know, they're coming back. You've seen them for um, maybe several weeks, um, maybe several months even. How are you addressing this on an ongoing basis? Again, still with those open-ended questions, and you're also watching the labs, like I mentioned, you see if the levels are going up. That tells you usually that that's working. Again, the open-ended questions, are they having any green still? Are they having any symptoms, so to speak? Um, sometimes they just need a little bit of reminder, so to speak, like, hey, are you, are you still waiting that 20 minutes? Hey, are you still not using tobacco products right after? Or, you know, are you trying not to swallow it? You know, that kind of stuff. Or you know, that you're taking it on a regular basis, that kind of thing, so. Yeah. How often are you talking to him about the, the limitations of the medication? And what I mean by that is I know there's a lot of patients who have an opiate use disorder, they hear about buprenorphine and they think this is going to be the answer to all of my problems. And I think sometimes the patients quickly learn that it's a great help, but it's not the answer to everything. So how are you talking with them about that? Uh, every visit that I can, so to um, as far as like, yeah, okay, you're taking now the medication correctly. Um, at least that's what you're saying, that, you know, you're waiting everything, you're doing everything right, but I'm still having some of these cravings. And then you go into the medication isn't 100% fix-all. It's a little bit more of a, like a, a Band-Aid type that we're using to help, but you need, to, you need to be engaged with the counseling, you need to be, you know, support system. I mean, a lot of this is, we know from lots of studies that it's a psychological component as well, so to speak. Yeah. So. They've got to, we've got to work on, on all of it and not just, you know, the medication portion of it, which is, like I said, it's great for a temporary Band-Aid. It keeps, you know, from withdrawal and, and to help the brain heal, but it's not going to be a, you take it for a week and you're good to go and walk out the door. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, I, I kind of want to get into that now because I think you're absolutely right. I, I think one of the things that is underneath 
having a patient take it correctly is that trust. That trust that they then have uh, with you, the provider, and the trust that they have with their other uh, supports in the recovery process. And and what I mean by that is, you know, there's a there's a part of uh, of what AA is talking about is is that surrender. Uh, it's when patients uh, surrender that they can't control everything, and they're going to let something else help them. And I've found that that when patients start to trust you as a provider, and start to trust that it's a process that it doesn't solve everything, just like you said, that other areas in their life improve. So tell me a little about what, what you've seen there. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to when you tell them how to take it, especially if they're having cravings, withdrawal symptoms, and that kind of stuff, and then you're like, hey, here's the right way to take it. Just just even try it for a week. You know what I mean? There's no harm in it. You know, come back to me next week. We'll talk about it. We'll see how you're doing. And then they come back and go, wow, that, that really works. Like, it, it fixed a lot of the problems. And then they realize that you're just not talking to talk. You know, basically, yeah. you're just telling them, hey, yeah, yeah, just do this, you know, and, and whatever. Like, you actually care. So, again, mix that with a little bit of, oh, you're actually asking me about my the, my kids, you know, or the cars that I'm working on or, or whatever the hobby is that I'm saying, you know, or doing type of stuff, and you, you connect all those pieces, and they're like, okay, now now this provider actually cares, and it's not just I'm not another number and I'm not just another patient, walk in, give my script, and walk back out again type of thing. That yeah. We're trying to work with you and, and, and trying to make things better for you. You know, I mean, this is a, a complete whole part of the process. And I was like, and then you talk with the counselors and you bring them on board and, and it, we're here for their success. That's, that's what it is. I, I think that's so important because it, it's, it goes kind of go back to what we were talking about a second ago. It lets the patient understand that the medication does a lot when you take it correctly, um, but there's still things that they need to be able to do, and they start to trust that process. So um, I've found when I've worked with patients and they start to trust the provider that it's telling them correctly about the medication, getting them to, to, to take it correctly, that it's much easier to work with them because they start to trust the process. And they start to believe that, hey, if I do this correctly, what she's telling me is right, and then there's still some things that I can do. And I think that, you know, it, as far as uh, Spiro's mission, um, you know, you, you've saved the lives by getting them on the medication, but it's also um, instilling hope and that they can start to manage their life in a different way um, when they give up that, that need to control it and listen to you and follow your advice. And I think it's just um, it's an extremely powerful thing. And at the beginning, I talked about how there's a spiritual component to it, and I think that's partly what that is, that spirituality of connecting with someone else, connecting with a process, and believing that that process will help them achieve their goals without really knowing it. It's just believing. And I think you, as a provider, set the stage for that by, you know, just reinforcing, take it correctly, and you'll see what it can do, um, and you can learn to manage your life in that way. So I think that's a, a huge thing. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because if you start with the little stones and they're willing to trust you on that, then they're willing to trust you and with the bigger stuff as well. So when you ask of them of, of other things, then... They're willing to do it, so yeah, it makes it more of a team approach then with them, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
one last piece with this. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you talk about ongoing that you'll do that. Are there um, other things besides the labs that make you, you know, look at that differently with a patient or feel like I need to, to go back and, and readdress some of these things? Or are, are there things that they say or they ways that they present uh, that makes you think, ah, I need to look a little bit more at this? Like I said, prior to talking with them, I, I'm looking at the labs and the screens and that kind of stuff, like the actual data. Um, but then when you're actually talking with the patient, ask them. I mean, my first usual question with them is, like, how are you doing? And, some, and if you just get the, uh, I'm okay, well, then that, that warrants the next question of, why just okay? Um, and sometimes you'll have them, like I said, from the trust that you're building with them, they'll open up. Hey, I had a bad week this is what happened, you know, they admit that they relapsed or that their craving's really bad because of something stressor in their lives or something like that. And so you can go through then and address that as, as well. Yeah. I, I think that's huge because you've built that connection with them. They, they're trusting you because of the time that you spent with them of taking the medicine correctly, that they then share those other struggles that they have, which allows them to be able to work with it. I just think that's a huge um, psychological part that a lot of people don't really focus on when they start someone on medication. They look at, is it, you know, addressing the cravings, but they don't look at all those other things that could come up. So um, I, I think you're absolutely right in the way in the way you approach that. Yeah, so a, as we wrap this up, um, I think this is, a, again, an extremely important topic that, that a lot of people don't really focus on the backside of uh, taking that medicine correctly, um, you know, they may look at labs or, or uh, may talk, edu- educate the patient, but they're not following up with it in the depth that you are, are, are doing and you described here today. But as we end this, what, what final piece of advice do you have for our, our listeners and providers that work with this population? Foremost, it's patience. Like, you need to just be patient. Things are not going to happen overnight. Um, they're not going to happen in the first week or sometimes the first month. Um, these patients have gone through a lot, and you have to understand where they're coming from so that you can work as a team and um, and try to help them succeed, like I said. And it's sometimes it's one step, two steps back before they're going to go forward, and that's okay. And uh, a lot of times they'll beat themselves up about it or they'll feel ashamed or sometimes they don't want to even come in because they know they messed up and, and don't want to face a, a provider or anybody else. And as long as you're telling them, it's okay, we, we're human, we make mistakes, we get it, this, this is not going to happen overnight, um, that we're willing to work with you. So <laughs> that's, yeah. I think, the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that's instilling that hope uh, with individuals, uh, which is, you know, hope's a very powerful thing. And I think the way you're going about doing that and not only is it saving lives, it is also instilling hope, and uh, you're doing that through the relationships that you're you're getting with them, and also you're reinforcing that integrated approach is what makes our patients successful. Is all that stuff working together? So, um, so Carly, thank you again for joining me on Spiral Clinical Insights. I hope you had fun. I'm sure we'll have you back on future episodes. I wish you the best of luck um, in the next uh, several weeks and months to come with your. Uh, expansion of your family um, and we certainly uh, want to hear about that and have you back uh, afterwards and, and talk about how that uh, may influence your your work ahead 
Well, thank you, Dave. This has been fun. Definitely a, a new experience, but I, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> it's been entertaining. I think uh, I hope our, our listeners will uh, will see the benefit of it. So, again, this is David Hayden, your host and Senior Vice President of Clinical Services. Thank you for listening, and remember to be kind, consistent, and predictable to all our patients out there that we serve every single day. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Sparrow Health Clinical Insights. Join us next time as we continue to talk about topics that help guide us toward achieving our mission of saving lives, instilling hope, and restoring relationships.